Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, Josh and I sit down with Mark Peter. We hear some of Mark's testimony about his own struggle with depression and anxiety and how the gospel reorients our identity and our hope. I trust you'll find this conversation encouraging and strengthening. guest mark peter thanks for being on the podcast happy to be here yes and we have josh howith here and producer jordan who now has a mic we have warm hot cups of coffee in our hand we're ready to have a great discussion so mark thanks for being here today Yeah. yeah so the point of our conversation we just want gresham bible church to get to know you more to hear about god's work in your life so we'll have some more specific questions but first why don't we just kind of start for those that haven't had a chance to get to know you more yet just you know brief kind of summary um what should gresham bible church know about you tell us about yourself um You are a flower. I'm just kidding. (laughs) What did you say? A unique snowflake. That's what I meant to say. That's right. (laughs) I am very unique. Yeah, very unique. Just like all humans are. Uh, I've been at GBC for 10 years, actually. Uh, My family came in November of 2011. Um, Yeah, I grew up in the Portland area. I grew up in a Christian home part of a small Anabaptist church. Anabaptist does not mean (laughs) anti-Baptist, but uh, they were kind of a, kind of a bit of a radical sect (laughs) in the Reformation. You can read your own church history if you Mm. want to know more, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was probably, I would describe it as pretty fundamentalist and legalistic how I grew up, Um, but I don't want to disparage my church of my childhood or anyone there because my parents still go there and my, a lot of my family and friends still go there. Yeah, understood. Uh, but anyway, I, I bring that up only because it shapes a lot of what I'm still learning or unlearning, which we'll probably talk about mm-hmm. a little bit later. But um, yeah, what else about me? I love music. I'm a musician. I led worship at GBC for eight of those 10 years yeah. um, as a staff member. Um, and I'm still helping out. I'm still on the worship team and still mm-hmm. do that from time to time now. Um, I don't know. What else do you want to know about me? What Why did you quit? In? I'm just kidding. Why did <laughs> you quit? <laughs> I'm just we'll get into that. First of all, how, how dare you? Uh, no. <laughs> That's in the bonus episode. Yeah. Just kidding. Uh, I'm joking. Well, just in case anybody doesn't know, I'll, okay. I'll say why I oh, quit. Oh, sure. Um, my, I have a day job that is increasingly stressful as the years go by. Mm-hmm. I'm a manager, my team. Uh, in 2019, the entire product at my company that I managed was 
discontinued. I wasn't even sure I was still going to have a job at the end of the year, but my entire team got let go and I still had to run that product through the end of the year while also being reorganized over a different team. So I had to learn new people and what they did um, and basically do two jobs at once. And that stress, in addition to uh, Josh becoming our new lead pastor, because <laughs> so there was just, a lot of there stress. There was just a lot lives. of well. It's not even the the stress was all bad. There was yeah. just so much transition yeah, no, that year, mm-hmm. 2019, for me mm-hmm. that um, I by October of that year, which was right after Josh came. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a correlation, but there might be a correlation. Uh, no, uh, I kind of had a little bit of a mental breakdown. I'm, uh, I suffer from depression and anxiety and it just kind of hit a climax where I was hardly functioning. Um, and I had been leading worship for seven plus years at that point without ever really taking an extended break besides maybe just like a weekend off here or there. Um, and I think I just honestly, in hindsight, I didn't, I don't think that I would have said this when at the time that I quit, but I, but now in retrospect, I think I was probably a bit burned out Mm. from just kind of all of life, like feeling like a grind. Mm. Um, and, but all of that to say, it's ended up, in my opinion, being really wonderful because I think Warren does an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I had already had a lot of conversations about like ministry philosophy and worship leadership and things that I had kind of hoped to do in the future, some things which he's even begun to implement. So <clears throat> that's been pretty cool. Um, and the timing worked out really well of, of that, transitioning those roles mm-hmm. uh, because I ended up like working probably like 55 to 60 hour weeks like very shortly after he stepped in and took over for me and so the hours that i had been working for church i was able to reallocate to my Mm -hmm. overtime at my regular job well i just want to say you're modeling so well why you're a blessing to gresham bible church why you've been a blessing to me over the years because you're honest and um you help work (laughs) through things so you've been one of my uh, corporate buddies through the years, we would encourage each other with scripture or text because we get spreadsheets and meetings yes. and all of it. So man, I feel for you. Uh, and also you're an encouragement to many, including myself, because you're open about your struggle with depression, anxiety. And when people are going through dark times, you encourage them. So we want to explore that more as the podcast goes on too. Yeah. So, yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, I would just say too that, I mean, I just really appreciate you. Uh, you were, you were kind of my first, GBC friend, you know, and mm. I think, I mean, you came all the way down to Corvallis. We went to an Andrew Peterson concert, with Ben Chase. That's awesome. Andrew Peterson is essentially my hero. Yeah. So, mm. uh, I had to <laughs> like him a lot and but maybe not as much as you, I haven't, I haven't called him my hero before, but you know, Hey, uh, but no, I just really appreciate you. And I think the way you are honest, mm-hmm. uh, I think really opens you up for that fast friendship. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank and you. I still love it when you lead. So yes. I say every time. Yeah. I yeah. do too. Yeah. I'm glad I get to do it without the, like the, uh, responsibility of leading the whole ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, how about just a, a few more quick follow-up questions just sure. for those that don't know you. So yeah, tell yeah, us yeah. a little bit more about your family, um, yeah. things of that nature. So, um, family of origin. My, <laughs> uh, my dad is actually still to this day, a German citizen. Uh, his family immigrated here when he was 10. Um, they fled East Germany 
under threat of being taken away because my grandpa refused to join the uh whatever that party was it was it was post it was post world oh. war 2 so i guess yeah. it was just communists yeah. okay. maybe or something i don't know I don't actually Good know my him. history very well, yeah. but anyway, they fled <laughs> in the middle of the night wow. uh, oh. to West Germany, lived as refugees for a short time before eventually uh, my grandpa got a job and they were in, able to get a house and stuff. And then they came to America. Um, my dad also was drafted to Vietnam as a non U.S. citizen, so I don't know hmm. how that works, but it hmm. happened. Uh, anyway, he was a conscientious objector because the denomination we were a part of were hmm. pacifists, are pacifists. Hmm. Um, so I only re bring those up because they affect me to this day still as well. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, my mom was from Ohio. They, my mom and dad met at like a summer camp, and three days later, he proposed to her. Ooh, wow. I was going to say that's oh. adorable. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> it is adorable. <laughs> They're still happily married over fifty Isn't years amazing? later. Um, <laughs> Some younger people listening to this podcast, are like, yes, I hope that happens to me at summer right. camp. Yeah, yeah. Oh my Every gosh, turn. I'm sweating. sixteen and I met the cutest <laughs> girl. <laughs> to this. Like, I will not <laughs> let your kids do this. Don't worry. If I, take I don't. Never going to summer I don't camp. recommend doing this. Um, yeah, and I have two sisters. I'm a middle child, so my sisters actually go to GBC. My older sister is Brenda Radishak, mm -hmm. and my younger sister is Sandy Brumbelow. Uh, fun fact, I was in a band with her husband, Caleb, before they ever were even dating. Wow. So and I what's like the to, name uh, of the band again? That band was called Ebb Tide. Nice. For those of you who have been around GBC for a while, you know, um, Kelsey Brown, Virgil's wife, Virgil was our founding pastor. Uh, she told me when I showed up at GBC that like it was months before she f figured this out, but she's like, I have your CD in my car and I still listen to it sometimes. <laughs> wow. I was like, that's yes. weird. It's like from a long time ago. <laughs> she asked you to sign it. She did not. Okay. But it's super funny though. I was just like, every once in a while, someone runs into me. They're like, oh, I saw you perform like back in 1999. <laughs> I'm like, that was over half my life ago. <laughs> uh, oh, that's amazing. How cool is that? So yeah. Anyway, so Caleb and I have been friends a long time doing music together. Um, yeah, so Sandy and Brenda are my sisters. I'm a middle child, the only boy in my family. Yep. And uh, I met my wife, Elise, in, I think it was 2001. We worked together at Starbucks. And not at an ebb tide show? You didn't, she didn't meet you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I think she may have seen me perform in ebb tide. I know her sister did because we played out at Sandy High School one time. Uh, brag. What was I going to say? <laughs> That's not a humble brag. Yeah, you can no. say the early playing at a high school is definitely <laughs> a brag. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. We did open for the locally famous Five O'Clock People. Oh, Whoa. I used to the listen to that. Five O'Clock People? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> what right. about, um, oh shoot, what's the Good Shepherd um, trio or... Uh, Quartet? Oh, Quartet. Rescue? Rescue. I I've sang heard of them a lot. on their Christmas album. I Are was a guest vocalist. Me? My wife, Elizabeth, loves the Rescue. Yeah, I Maybe actually was a housemate. Bit, but, I was a yeah. housemate with Jason Overstreet for a okay. short time. You were? That's fun. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was friends with Rescue. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys should do like a collaborative, like... 
whoever's left. Sort That's of. like uh, all the rages these days. Everybody's doing a yeah, collab with yeah. tour. Yeah. You should probably featuring sell out Moda Center or someone. something. Be good. <laughs> so, so how about you and Elise met, you said, in 2001? Yeah, so, so how long have you guys been married? We started dating in early 2003, uh, got engaged in September of 2003, and married in December of 2003. Okay. So our, our so engagement was days. pretty short. Yeah. yeah, three months, not three days. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> for you. Um, fun little story. Her dad had told me that she would like a Bible with her name engraved on it rather than an engagement ring. So I got her a huge, like Thompson chain reference Bible with like Whoa. her name, but my last name. That's wow. strong. Pretty no strong. Way. Way, right? yeah. And, uh, As we went the on proposal this. Thing? Yeah. And we went on this hike. I like, love this story. that's one of the things we love doing together. Uh, <laughs> And we had gone on this hike and I had like my backpack with this Bible and I had made like a really nice lunch, like BLTs. And I had a <laughs> bottle of sparkling no. cider. So super light backpack. So like really heavy backpack, but I didn't want her to know. And like, I'm like dying climbing and, up and this can mountain. can where this hike is? Not oh, just yeah, any hike. Mac McNeil Point. Yeah. It's up along the Timberline Trail. So if anybody yes. knows where that is, or you can look it up, no. it's pretty high up there it's i think all i think round trip like there and back it's like about 12 to 13 miles Whoa, so up on mount hood above the tree or... line <laughs> wow. so anyway i was about dying by the time we got up to the top she's like man you're more out of shape than i thought <laughs> <laughs> and then i whipped out the bible and the champagne and uh, anyway so okay. uh yeah we got married i was waiting for you to say the champagne exploded <laughs> and like ruined the bible or Funny. something but, it wasn't yeah. even real champagne it was sparkling cider okay but i call it well i call it champagne so okay but yeah that's just in my mind i'm like it is a fancy bottle with bubbles. It's champagne. Right, yeah. right. True <laughs> Baptist. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So we got married. Our first year of marriage was really tough. We can talk about that more later if you want. Mm -hmm. But I think I just had some, well, part of that is because of my mental health issues. Mm -hmm. But also mm -hmm. I think I, I was 27 when we got married. And so I think that I was pretty set in some ways mm -hmm. and had some uh, probably false expectations of what marriage would be like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we've got two kids, Anton, who's just about to turn 16. He'll be 16 probably by the time this comes out. And Avery, who is 14. So mm -hmm. parent of teenagers. And we have a dog and two cats and some chickens. And we affectionately call our two-bedroom thousand square foot house on a tenth of an acre fourth street farm nice <laughs> we have a homestead yeah we with have a, a home, little we have hobbit a, attic so yeah. a cute yes. little hobbit attic uh, that's great well i wish there was a wardrobe in there <laughs> oh that'd be awesome well before we dive in and definitely appreciate you bringing up some things we want to explore on this podcast episode is is a question we've asked a few different guests so i want to ask you you can take this in whatever context you want mark knowing you this probably won't be in a sports context but in sports <laughs> world when certain players are introduced they have what's called their walk-up music or even you know like if you were going to perform and hey gresham and you have your walk-up music what is mark peters walk-up music <laughs> Oh man, my walk up music. Yeah, what's your song? I don't know if I have a song, okay. I, but I think if there was going to be a soundtrack to my life, it would probably be something uh, by Rich Mullins or Andrew Peterson. Ooh, mm. That's good. Perhaps Rich Mullins, like something where he's got the Hammerdahl smear going. 
it's you know kind of epic a little bit irish influenced okay so that's the soundtrack over the scenes of your life that's playing in the background. Yeah, I think okay, so. That's and good. then like really sad piano music. <laughs> oh, man. Throughout or only certain scenes? Oh, no, throughout. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. It's your story. It's your music. Oh, yeah. It's your soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Man, that's awesome. If my life were a movie, it would definitely be a melancholy drama. Hmm. With really heartwarming moments. Yeah, yeah, of course. And and little, of rain on little the pinpricks pane. of hope every once in a while. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, that should be playing in all of our minds. So let, let's dive in. Uh, so we, we talked ahead of time about some questions we want to explore, and then we'll just see kind of where this mm-hmm. goes for the conversation to um, share how God's worked in your life and your story. And I hope that encourages other people who listen to this. Um, so why don't we start off? I picture this kind of as like a jumping off point. Uh, so there's a few different verses that come to mind, but one that kind of, I think encapsulates this principle is Colossians 1 23 uh, that says, if you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting your hope from the gospel. So with that as the backdrop and understanding that as believers, we're all prone to shift our hope from the gospel at different times and different ways. So kind of want to explore that together with you, Mark. So like, where do you find that being most true in your life? Where are you most prone to shift your hope from the gospel? And then we'll maybe explore that more. Yeah, I think for me, probably the biggest area where I'm prone to shift my hope Uh is around my identity, like who I am as a person. And I, I regularly struggle to forget like who I am in Christ, you know? And so mm-hmm. constantly having to preach to myself and like remind myself of the truths of like who I am in Christ is a bit, is a big, a big tool that I think I'm learning to utilize, but for, for just a really long time in my life, I spent a long time not knowing, you know, who I was. And so that manifested itself in being really cocky or being really depressed, Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, which are probably both the same thing, but just mm-hmm. in different environments, it manifested itself different ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe like if, and I'm just processing that, yeah. maybe if there's like a dashboard to your emotional life, so to speak, how do you know when that hope is starting to shift? Like, how do you know the instruments are saying, Hey, you're kind of off here. You're getting in trouble. Like, what's that look like for you? I think when I find, I mean, it takes a little bit, I'm, I'm glad to say that it's like the diagnosis time is shorter mm-hmm. <laughs> now than it used okay. to be. But I think it, uh, for me, like when I find that I'm preoccupied by focusing on relationships that I don't have mm-hmm. or that aren't where I want them to be, um, or on how I'm different than other people. And in my comparison, I'm always on the short end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like, I think that's when I can kind of tell that I'm, you know, I'm starting to evaluate my life based on some external, you know, lateral kind of conditions or even my own faulty expectations mm-hmm. versus, you know, the truth that, you know, I'm chosen, I'm redeemed, I'm saved, I'm mm-hmm. no longer guilty. I'm no longer a slave to sin Mm -hmm. and all of that good stuff, you know, that those gospel promises. And so I think for me, yeah, that's, that's my, probably my biggest struggle, uh, or my biggest area where I'm, you know, tempted to shift my hope from the gospel. But then Mm -hmm. also that's, um, probably 
the best way that I know. And sometimes, sometimes that'll go on for weeks where it just kind of is like an, an uneasy, like I feel disgruntled and I'm not sure why. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's something that someone else will say. And all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm really grateful to have a wife who knows me and loves me well. And, mm-hmm. uh, is not afraid to tell me when <laughs> she thinks I'm off base. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, so that's been a real blessing too, to just kind of have her, she has, she has the permission to, and feels free to mm-hmm. um, just kind of mm-hmm. say, you're not very nice to be around right now, or just <laughs> what, it, like, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So is it safe to say, it sounds like when your hope is shifting from the gospel that manifests itself in your emotional life and your emotional health and how you're like seeing the world in yourself. I'm just trying to. Yeah, totally. Think that yeah. Okay. And then I think as the result of sort of those feelings of like not measuring up or mm-hmm. man, if I just tried harder, I could like have the kinds of friendships that I want or mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Cause mm-hmm. I actually have really great friendships. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but I think Oh, I just lost my train of thought. What was the question again? Just trying to connect kind of your emotional life. And when your hope shifts from the gospel, it sounds like you were kind of unpacking that in a way that there's a connection there. When your hope starts to shift for you, that starts to manifest itself in your emotional life in ways that aren't healthy. Okay. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that ends up just, I, I think I end up falling into like a really performative sort of like works based. Yeah. uh, Performance based sort of, Gotcha. way of living so oh. perfectionism okay um or even you know on a spiritual level like thinking uh, falling into like this you know twisted thinking of like man if i if i'm just better or if i do more god will be more happy with me mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. so i know like we know each other pretty well um but if you know i'm guessing people will listen to this that don't know you at all. Yeah. And I think for their benefit, even in, cause I think what you're saying is really good. Um, and really help a lot of people. Um, can you maybe give more like a, a specific example or something, how this like plays itself out for you? Um, cause I, I just imagine that like, um, sometimes I think when we talk about these things, we could talk so like yeah. ethereal Vaguely. about them where it's like, mm-hmm. um, I, if, and if we know like some skin and bones to it, what does that mean? It helps sink in a little bit better. Cause I imagine a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, I, I when it, I shift from the hope of the gospel when it comes to my identity and, um, and yeah. not measuring up or whatever, yeah. but what's that like for you? So specifically related to my identity, I think, um, I think having grown up in a, a family that was, really strict and I don't mean I don't necessarily mean that in like a bad punitive sort of way but just like we had very tight boundaries on like what was acceptable and what Mm -hmm. wasn't Um, and being a part of a church that I would say is was pretty elitist you know like um, you really weren't even other Christians weren't necessarily like true Christians Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which is kind of you know, now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, that's very strange. Uh, but, um, so I just, I felt different. Like I went to public school and so feeling like this weird, like (laughs) 
Christian kid who's like, I hadn't seen any movie that any other kid had seen. I didn't listen to any music that any other kid listened to. You know, I was like utterly oblivious to all of the things that kids talk about, um, good or bad. I mean, I just really was like not, I was so uh, insulated from culture Mm -hmm. that I felt different. And then, um, I think in adolescence, I, like I'm not into sports and I'm not into cars, and I'm not into guns or hunting. So like a lot of the th- sort of stereotypical guy things. Um, and I was always on the younger end of the age range in my grade level. So mm-hmm. all throughout school, like, and especially like in adolescence, I think there was just mm-hmm. a lot of comparing myself to other guys mm-hmm. and feeling inadequate or like I didn't fit in. I mean, I was like, literally, this is not an exaggeration. I was the last kid to get picked every time in PE class when the, co- yeah. when the teacher would be like, okay, here, popular kid A <laughs> and popular kid B, you're the team captains. And then they'd like, literally like pick, you know, yeah. take turns picking the people. I'm and I'm like, smiling when I'm you say that, so the I'm sorry, last that's guy yeah. getting picked every time in PE yeah. class. So like, no offense to any PE teachers that I may know, but I like, I hate PE and it's funny because yeah. even to this day, like if my kids like say like, Oh, some kid laughed at me cause I dropped the ball. I just like, it triggers me and I get like, mm. so, so angry. Mm. <laughs> What's his my... name? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah. Um, yeah. So like, that's a specific thing just about identity. And I think, I think those are sort of like automatic thoughts. Like, so I walk into mm. a room and I immediately am comparing myself to everybody there. Mm. Like yeah. who's cooler than me, who's more athletic than me, which is literally 99% of everybody else in the room. Not me, I was going to say, not in this space, Mark, you're more athletic <laughs> than me. So uh, yeah, I don't know if that's true, yeah. man. Um, yeah. That's so super that's, helpful though. Cause I think, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could just imagine, because I feel like even spiritually or Christian environment-wise, I grew up with similar things. So, yeah, you're walking into these environments, and you're like, I'm an outsider. I mm-hmm. I don't measure up to this group. You know, you know things I don't know. You can do things I can't do. Um, you're more of this, and I feel less than that. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I think, I, think I think a lot of people resonate with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely do. I've met a bunch of people listening to this do. So, what... What are things that help you get back on track of where your identity is actually supposed to be found? I, and this is just, I just want to know this to help mm. me. <laughs> but maybe it'll help other well, people. Yeah. Since this has turned into a counseling session, <laughs> let, to me, let me tell you. No, I'm kidding. Um, for me, I think, you know, identifying that, like just, just kind of becoming aware and acknowledging like I'm, I'm doing this <laughs> is like... I mean, that can also spiral into like being mad at myself totally. and feeling bad at myself and assuming that like none of you other guys sitting in this room here with me now ever do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the only one who does that. So like it can spiral into that bad thinking. But um, I, I think if I can catch it and identify it, um, usually I'll I'll try to like just tell someone like whether that's my wife or a friend um or even just write about it in my journal Mm. like i think if i can just sort of like get it outside of myself and like 
put it out there when mm-hmm. that's sort of ethereal, but mm-hmm. <laughs> with a person or even just writing it down, I think just to say, man, yeah, I think I've been kind of having these unrealistic expectations of like myself and socially, like what relationships should look like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I pine for those days of like, you're, 18 and you work 14 hours a week and you have like all of this free time to like hang with your buddies 24 seven. And I'm like, that's just not reality. Now Mm -hmm. I have a full-time job and I have a wife and kids and other responsibilities. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, I just don't have the time. And then if I take it even outside of myself, like I have like all of my other friends Mm -hmm. predominantly are in the same type of a situation too where you know they have a job and home responsibilities and things to take care of and so yeah so but but again too like i think one time uh, one thing that i do and one thing that my counselor has actually or psychologist has actually um suggested to me is you know like just make part of your routine be to share something about yourself that you don't think other people will relate to and find yourself surprised mm. by how people can relate to you. It's <laughs> good. Like, because you'll stop, you'll start to realize that you're not so different in mm. like these superficial ways that you think you're different. But also, um, he also really encouraged me to just kind of make sure that I, you know, at least once every two weeks, I'm like connecting with someone, whether that's, you know, on the phone or in person mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but to just like talk to someone who's like a friend or whatever. And I think like when I have those sort of connections with people, like I'm totally a, an introvert and can tend to isolate and even like, I'm, I could probably be a hermit, like, and to be honest, I know it's been really hard for a lot of people that 2020, <laughs> was like a wonderful year for me because I was like, I literally do not have to leave my house. I literally do not have to see anyone. You can go on zoom and just not go live, you know, on video. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like it just, and I know that that's brutal for a lot of people and, and in hindsight, I, you know, can see how not being around people fed some, some other bad (laughs) sort of like inner circles of uh, spirals of whatever but yeah, yeah. I don't well, know. did that answer your question that i mean the idea of talking to someone or even writing it down is the getting it outside of yourself is good identify get it outside of yourself so you're not internalizing it that's super helpful mm-hmm. there's but, a guy uh named lewis b smeeds who i believe that he was the um head of the psychology department at oh, i'm gonna blank on it a seminary (laughs) somewhere I think in the Southwest. I can't remember. Anyway, he wrote a book that I read called shame and grace. I had to read it for, I had to read a chapter of that in one of my classes when I was going to school. Um, and it was so good that I went and bought the book and read the book and I've read it like three times because I Mm -hmm. love it so much, but he really talks about like healthy shame versus, unhealthy shame Mm -hmm. and most shame is unhealthy shame. The healthy shame is like the part where like we know in our inner being that as Christians, we are made in the image of God. And so we like feel shame when we sin, Mm -hmm. like 
because we know we're not living up to the potential and like to what we were created to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but unhealthy shame is lots of other things. But he says, that's not the point I was making. He says in that book that people begin to heal when they can share their stories. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me. And so I, it has encouraged, I mean, that kind of like helped shift my mindset, even in my friendships. Like I want to be a good listener. I don't know if I always am because I tend to talk a lot, Mm. (laughs) even though I'm an introvert. (laughs) And, um, but also like, it's been really good for me to just like, when I, I think just saying like what's going on in your mind or in your emotions can, can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why don't, why don't we go there a little bit? Yeah. So let's spend a few minutes just kind of unpacking together hearing what it's looked like for you in terms of what mental health is for a Christian, right? So you've shared some briefly, even now, some of the things you've wrestled with, you have some education in this space, you've read a lot, you have a heart to help other people. So I'd love to hear you kind of unpack this a little bit, Mark. I think it would really encourage um, the listener like Josh brought up earlier. So, um, Here's my question for you, and then we'll just kind of go for it. So can a Christian be depressed? Yes. Why? Uh, Because depression is a real thing. That's another misconception that some people will want to say is that depression is not real. It's Mm -hmm. just in your head. And my response to that is, yes, it is (laughs) in your Mm -hmm. head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's real. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I think for a Christian, well, I don't know. Can I back up for two of seconds? Course. I think, first of all, I'll say this. You referenced this, so I just figure I'll say it. I have my bachelor's degree is in psychology. I do not by any stretch no. think that that means I'm a professional. <laughs> I, I don't have any credentials. No. Um, but as like far an as... mural <laughs> I'm an intermural. Yeah. I am a... Certi- certified uh prepare and rich coach whoa yeah hey so you know that's something <laughs> that's <Brag. right. laughs> again another humble brag hum- humble yeah. brag sandy uh, high school and, uh, <laughs> i did not go to sandy high school i just mm. performed at sandy high school mm, yeah big time more than once <laughs> humble brag number three uh, yeah. where, where where are we going i've lost my train of thought so, so you were just giving a qualifier oh, that you're not health. credentialed i think yeah. yeah so not i'm not very credentialed i do think i mean i've studied this and read probably more and in my own journey of like self-discovery and just wanting yeah. to understand why i am totally. the way i That's am i've read mm-hmm. a bit about depression and mental health in general. But I, I, I want to back up before I talk about like, can a Christian have depression or be depressed and why? Um, I think mental health is really just like physical health or spiritual health or emotional health or financial health or relational health. I mean, like it's an aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it's had this weird stigma in Christianity in Western civilization, (laughs) but it seems like at least a lot of what I've heard from friends and even in my own experience, there's like this sort of stigma about depression or that someone might have mental health issues. But if you think about the fact that the brain is an organ in your body responsible for thinking, like why should mental health be any different than like your pancreas not working correctly. And so you need to take insulin. 
you know, like, so, I mean, yes, there may be lifestyle factors that contribute to some forms of diabetes, but there are also people who just have it because they're genetically predisposed. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter how you live, like you have it and you're going to have to mitigate that somehow. And I think the same is true for people's brains. Like you can, based on a variety of factors, like have a disorder in the way that that thinking center of your body works. Mm -hmm. So. No, that's super helpful. It's good. Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. So, and I guess that is part of my answer for like, why can a Christian have depression? Depression because we're human, and mm-hmm. I think that we have, um, yeah, I think it's just part of our experience. Like, and maybe we don't want to call it depression because maybe we have negative feelings or thoughts attached to that word, but like melancholy or like chronically sad, (laughs) (laughs) or you feel like you don't want to get out of bed in the morning and go to work. Like, I mean, maybe people just don't know to call it depression, but like it actually is a thing. Mm -hmm. But, but I also think that like mental health doesn't necessarily equate to a mental health disorder or mental illness. So I think it's also important to to make that clarification when you're talking like taking care of your mental health is like taking care of the way that you think. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's mental health has to do with how you think. There's probably other opinions out there, but I probably, if I, if I were a psychologist, which I'm not, I would probably, <laughs> I, play one on I would probably yeah. have the, uh, a more of like a cognitive behavioral approach, which is like, okay. if you can understand and change the thoughts, then you can begin to change the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, a really practical example of that in my own life is, um, Oh, no, I have to think of one now that I just said that. <laughs> now that I volunteered that, I have to think of one. I think what you're saying is really helpful because mo- I think it's weird in Western society that we tend to kind of chunk ourselves up into these pieces, you know, and we sort of break everything down almost too much and we fail to see that we're just like a whole person. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, we are mind, heart, body, soul, you know, I mean, that's even, uh, what we're called to love our God with. And Mm so, um, so I think in some ways, like I could have a a great emotional health yet have like horrible physical health and that's not good. Right. Or I can, um, just have a really low emotional intelligence or the ability to relate to people or, um, so I, I guess we just sort of overchunk things through. And at the same time, if we just view ourselves as like this whole person who, which is what we are, um, then, yeah, I mean, it's probably a little going to help us a lot more just to see ourselves that way and not relegate different areas to, um, a, a place of strangeness or weirdness or mm-hmm. that can't be a right. part of my life. I'm yeah. a whole person, right? Yep. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think there's value in even talking about this on the podcast, right? Cause we want to cultivate a culture in GBC where we address the whole gospel as applied to the whole person, right? And to our culture and the, us individually. So we need to have language and open up like you're saying, Mark, it's helpful to even talk about this kind of stuff. Cause there may be some at Gresham Bible church who know this, or maybe don't know this yet, but they have some misconceptions around mental health or depression. And maybe someone's even struggling really with depression, but they feel like they can't give voice to it or they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. So we want to have conversation around this to help each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and as a church family. So anyway, all that to say, I guess I'm stating the obvious. I think it's a good and helpful thing for us to even talk about it. So, yeah, totally. 
<laughs> so how about um, taking that a little bit of a step further, right? So you're talking about, yes, a Christian can be depressed. Here's briefly maybe some reasons why. I love that you're coming to this conversation from a, um, it's not disconnected from you. It's not just in theory. This is, you know, what you're living with and struggling through becoming more like Christ in. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'd like to go there a little bit is, you know, so if we say, yes, a Christian can be depressed. Yes. Mark Peter can struggle with depression and anxiety. Okay. Then how does the gospel enter into that? And I'm not saying that um, there's not physical uh, reasons why, right? Medications, you know, counseling, psychologists, but then specifically to the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, how does that kind of get inside of you and start to reorient some things, kind of that mental furniture? You're talking about those wrong thoughts. Just mm -hmm. maybe share briefly with, with us, like how does the gospel help in that space, bring healing, bring light into a dark place? Yeah, I think primarily, I mean, well, here's, I'll, I'll say this. So mental health for the Christian, mm -hmm. uh, the difference is that we have more tools than a non-Christian has mm -hmm. simply because we have the gospel. Well and I, so I think the way that the gospel helps me um, or helps shape when, what I'm going through when I'm struggling with anxiety or depression is that, I mean, the gospel, I kind of alluded to this earlier but just you know who i am in christ and like the fact that i'm a new creation um and i have i have this hope that when all things all the sad things are become untrue you know like Amen. when jesus makes all things right like i won't have to deal with this so there's hope there's light at the end of the tunnel for me like even if i go through a long dark season um or have you know things in my life that feel out of control. And so I'm feeling anxious or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, I think simply the fact that like as Christians, we have hope, hmm. um, and we have the Holy spirit who's our comforter and we have the wonderful advantage of the body of Christ. Like we have believers, hmm. you know, hopefully, I mean, I guess if the people listening are primarily GBCers, like we have each other. And so I think, I love the idea of cultivating a culture of where, of confession and openness where we can be yeah. honest about what we struggle with. And I think there's this really easy uh, trap to fall into in our thinking where we think that, well, I've been a Christian for my whole life. I gave my life to Jesus when I was five, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe you gave your life to Jesus when you were 40 or I don't know. Who's this person? <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome <laughs> accent, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that was maybe. I don't know. Anyway, you feel free to edit that out, George. No, it's <laughs> not at all. Uh, but I, I just think there's this idea that like we have it all together, and like especially when you get to, I think the further into life you get. I feel like there's almost this greater expectation that you have it together. Like mm -hmm. why would a 70 year old ever struggle with depression? Mm -hmm. Like they've had their whole mm -hmm. life, you know, and like, mm -hmm. and if you even want to look at it from this potentially like weird, morbid, like you're closer to death than you've been, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, cause you're nearing the end of your life, which means for a believer, like you get to see Jesus sooner, like, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just think there, there really are factors. I think there's, I mean, there's biological factors, like physiological factors, I guess I would say, um, you know, like chemical imbalances, mm -hmm. hormonal imbalances. So like, why can a, but I think a lot of how we feel about ourselves and the way that we think 
like is derived from having a sense of purpose. So I think again, as a Christian, like we have a purpose, like we were saved so that we could like be uh, ambassadors, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm totally not being very articulate right now. <laughs> I mean, totally I, I, I probably, there's more going on in my head than what I'm saying. So maybe I'm more articulate than I think. <laughs> but, I <don't> know. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, like we're, it's easy to feel like you don't have purpose if you fail to realize like that at a bare minimum, like we exist to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you view washing the dishes or taking out the trash or going to the job you don't necessarily care for or parenting or staying in your difficult marriage or anything that's hard, mm-hmm. like dealing with depression, like, Especially it's funny, like it's 5 p.m. right now and it's dark outside and I'm like noticing it and I'm feeling myself like, like (laughs) actually like kind of diminish, Uh, you know, but like the fact is like we exist for the glory of God. And I know that that can feel maybe demotivating if we think that our life is about ourselves because like, well, I want what I want, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. Like, I just think, and I'm, I'm talking about this totally like as if somehow I have it dialed in, but I don't, Mm. (laughs) I mean, Mm. I spent probably more time not living the way that I'm talking Mm. about the way that we should live, Mm. um, than I do. But do you think, uh, you know, is this, do you think this is accurate from your perspective? Um, that anxiety really stems just from the uncertainty of, the future, right? It's uh, just the uncertainty of the lack of control I have walking into this room here and I don't know anybody. I don't know how I'm going to get through every conversation, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's the unknown. Yeah. Um, And then depression is really um, this weight of what is from my perspective. It's a little bit more, you know, especially if I'm dealing with shame, I think, I often see so much connection between depression and shame for people. For sure. And then I'm not negating the fact that there are just some biological um, realities for some where you have the chemical side of depression where maybe you're not so much just living in what is and um, not measuring up or uh, just things aren't the way they should be or I could have done that more. I mean, that's because when you're talking about being that 70-year-old, I would think at that point in my life, I mean, I even feel that way as a 38 year old, like, oh man, I I can feel depressed over things that I haven't done. Mm -hmm. Things I wish I, you know what I mean? Cause Mm -hmm. you're sitting in like, what is, Mm -hmm. and you feel shame over it. You feel, um, yeah, not measured up in it. Would you say that's kind of true for how you're thinking about things? I mean, you are the professional, Gen- so I thought I'd, like, <laughs> totally the professional. Yeah. Uh, generally, that's the title of this podcast yeah, episode, yeah. the profession. Uh, you know about anxiety, like it, it is partially about the future. A lot of my, a lot personally, a lot of my anxiety stems from what if they knew this? Mm. Like, would they mm-hmm. still accept me? Mm-hmm. So, so it's the it's, unknown, though. It's kind of. fear. Yeah, it's yeah. still it still is fear of the unknown. Like, and something that's out. Like, I can't control whether or not you will accept me right. when mm. you know things about me. Like. So you might, shame then. Yeah. So too. shame. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Powerful. Yeah. You said that I had intended to say that earlier, but I think shame 
is a huge part, at least in my own story of, uh, of why I deal with both depression and anxiety. Mm. Mm. Um, so, and again, the gospel speaks to that because if there the gospel is no deal with your shame, then yeah. There, yeah, there is no shame in Jesus. Like he has actually taken everything that is took it broken you. and deficient and mm. took it on himself and died, you know, mm. in our place. Like, I know that we still live in this fallen world with our fallen flesh, but mm. the reality is, you know, like from a, a theological doctrinal standpoint, like mm. we're justified mm. and we are redeemed. And so I think, <clears throat> well, here's a funny thing too. Oh, this is totally a side yeah. note, but I, I don't know if I was taught this or if it's just somehow what I over the years kind of gathered, but like, I really thought that sanctification happened at salvation mm. or like at the moment, at the moment mm. that, you know, you, uh, res- like give your life to the Lord, That'd be awesome. however you, how you want to say that, wow. gave yeah. your life to the Lord, surrendered to the call of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, that's, I think really only like in the last maybe 15 years i'm 45 so Mm. since i was like 30 (laughs) like have i only begun to like realize that sanctification is a process and Mm -hmm. it's not a process we're walking alone like the holy spirit is there with us and like going through trials and even going through times when my mental health is poor you know because of maybe I'm not taking care of myself or maybe I'm believing lies from the devil or maybe I'm believing lies from the culture Mm. or maybe I'm not sleeping well enough. And so, Mm. or eating right. And so, you know, like I'm just, because I'm not, because I'm not physically well or taking care of myself, like my mind is more susceptible to whatever. I also think that there's a lot of people I think in general, people have like a negative bias in their thinking. I think we're always kind of looking for what's wrong versus what's right Mm -hmm. in the world. Maybe that's not a true statement, but it's a feeling statement that I'm making. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, but I think that's like, so I just think it's really easy if you're not careful to let negativity creep into your life and just to become critical of everything and like, one really cool thing that it's not the psychologist I see now, but a different one that I saw at one point. And I thought it was really great because I had felt like many, many sessions into our stuff. Like it was always really directed by me. And I was like, and one day he's just like, you know, you're not the judge of yourself or other people. That's not your job. That's Jesus's job. And Mm. I was like, Holy smokes. (laughs) It was such a good bomb that he dropped on me after like, you know, six months of, (laughs) yeah. Like, why did it have to wait for this session? session That in session, like two, (laughs) (laughs) listen to me for one session and session two, just tell me, tell me the truth. Um, Anyway, I I so appreciate you being on the podcast and just being transparent and talking through this and just hearing you even right now, looking across this room in front of these awkward looking microphones. (laughs) I I think this is going to bless people to hear this and again, to give permission uh, to talk about our mental health as believers and then to think about it Christianly and even just hearing what you said right now, like. I'm just hearing doctrine matters, mm-hmm. like a misconception mm-hmm. about sanctification actually impacted your emotional life and how you view yourself and others. So like our doctrine sure. matters as believers. And yeah. Maybe just to not to like put like a, um, you know, Hey, everything's good. Happy ending story. <laughs> but just to hear like 
now, maybe even this week or over this last month, like what about your savior? What specifically about Jesus are you finding most compelling right now? Most um, healing to your soul? Just like encourage us with the person and work of, of Jesus and who he is to you in light of the backdrop of the, some of the stuff we've talked about. And I don't mean that in like a Sunday school-y kind of way, but like in a real difficultness of life, you know? Yeah. I think the thing probably that like the character quality of Jesus <laughs> that is the most meaningful to me is just that he was a friend of sinners. Like that mm. he he didn't come and like want to hang out with the cool kids, you know, <laughs> or the really religious people like there. In fact, the only times that you really see in any of the gospels, like Jesus, you know, speaking super harshly to anyone, it was like to the Pharisees. Um, but I just, yeah, I think the fact that, that he loves me, the fact that God loves me is like, pretty amazing because I think for me shame the biggest lie that shame tells me is that I'm unlovable mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. to be loved and accepted before I'm perfect <laughs> by God by God yeah. yeah is pretty amazing and if God accepts me and loves me then like why am I even worried about what other people think yep. I mean I know that we do still care um, but yeah so I think for me that's probably like the I mean, there are so many things about God that I love. <laughs> we could just have a little worship sesh right now if we wanted. But um, but yeah, I just think God's love for me is probably the mm -hmm. biggest thing, at least at this point in my life, that I'm resonating with. Um, and just his goodness, too, because I think it's really easy to think when circumstances aren't good that it must be that God is not good. Mm -hmm. But that's not mm -hmm. just not true. And I think Amen. that especially I mentioned earlier in our conversation that I have, you know, like in 2019 toward the end of the year, I just kind of had this, like, I mean, there were like, when I say I was not functional, I mean, I was sitting in my office at work with my door closed crying for like four hours hmm. and I didn't want to go home. Cause then that felt like I was a failure, mm -hmm. but I wasn't getting anything done. So I might as well have just gone home rather than sitting there feeling bad. <laughs> um, and like, so, I mean, like, that's kind of my lowest of lows is just, you know, being totally non-functional. Like, yeah. I could not stop crying. I couldn't think about anything. Oh. I just was like, mm. it was weird. Uh, and then, I mean, that's like two years ago now. Mm. And I'd say that the last two years have been a big period of growth. And... Um, you know, some of that is due to like just identifying like bad thinking patterns, like drawing wrong conclusions. Like, uh, I mean, we could get into all of the different like stuff, like psychology stuff, like uh, cognitive distortions. Or th mm -hmm. if you studied logical fallacies, they're basically that, yep. <laughs> but just, um, you know, all or nothing thinking or mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, but just I think so learning to think better, learning to let God's word be the final word on what's true versus like my feelings has mm. been a big, a big mm. help to me. Mm. Um, and honestly, like just being open, like I think I've probably told more people in the last two years 
about all the things about me (laughs) that I don't like. Um, and also just that I struggle with depression and anxiety and like asking for prayer or like just being honest instead of showing up at church on Sunday and being like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm a little tired. Here's a little tip. Everyone. (laughs) If a guy says, yeah, I'm tired, (laughs) push push one layer deeper and ask yeah. what's going that's on. Good. Um, oh, man, I'm never going to say that. I'm just <laughs> Mark, have you read uh, Gentle and Lily? No, I need to pick my copy oh, okay. up while I'm here. We don't have to read it yet, but there's no, a I really powerful section in there where he talks about Jesus's um, statement in John's gospel that says, those who come to me, I will never cast out. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really powerful, he then like kind of um, gives all these kind of different examples, you know, um, and it, every example he ends with kind of that line from Jesus, I will never cast you out. Mm-hmm. I will never cast you That's out. That's awesome. And just, I was thinking about just now, even the gospel, how it relates to shame and how powerful uh, that is in terms of that shame lifting thing, you know, yeah. thinking about the anxiety and if people knew this about me, you know, would they still accept me or love me or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And just that line, Jesus said, you just come to me. I'll never cast you out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? for sure. So anyway, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting royalties from gentle and only <laughs> you talk about it, but you know, it's funny that book has been on my to read lists basically since it came out and so many people have recommended it and I just have not gotten to it. I've read a lot of other books in the last few years, Yeah, (laughs) but not that one yet. Um, as we kind of draw this episode to a close first, appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on. Hope this is a blessing to people. Um, any closing thoughts for us? Anything else you just kind of wanted to share? Um, I guess uh, just to any, to you listeners out there, <laughs> I'm pretending that I'm on the radio right now. Yeah, uh, it's like Paul Harvey. Yeah. Yeah. If you're feeling alone and like nobody could ever possibly understand what you're going through, I would just challenge you to, to tell someone. And even if they can't relate, you know, circumstance for circumstance to what you're going through, like, I think there's an amazing amount of empathy and compassion and, and even understanding of like people's experiences, even if it's something we've never been through, you know, like I can hear about someone who has gone through forms of abuse and not have experienced that myself. And I can have compassion and, you know, be a support in someone, not in the way that someone who maybe has also gone through that can, but, or whatever. But I just think like, yeah, just be honest with someone. Find find the person that is the least threatening to you and tell them tell them what's going on with you. You know, mm. I mean, obviously a trusted person who will handle that information well. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think I think one of the biggest lies is that we're alone and we don't. Nobody. I'm the only one who struggles with my thing, mm. um, or whatever. Or if people knew that I dealt with, you know these thoughts like they would just shun me that's maybe some people might like that's realistic to expect that but that's not the truth for all human beings like i've been amazed over and over and over again this last couple years as i've shared parts of myself that i hadn't ever shared before with anyone like how accepted and loved i've felt for having 
for having shared those things. And I love, I love how we can experience God's presence through his people, like the sweetness of the gospel and God's love for us. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, all right. If you have any questions or comments about what you've heard Mark talk about on here, I'm sure he'd love to talk with you. Or if it spurs um, further discussion you'd like to hear on a future podcast episode, that's great. Please reach out and you can do that to me at mike at greshambible.org. Thanks, GBC. Thanks, GBC.